Hey there. Hello. Thank you for inviting me into your eardrums wherever you are. I hope you are having a very mellow holiday if you are celebrating. This is episode number 490 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and today we are recapping Sweet Dreams number six, California Girl by Janet Quinn Harkin. We have overbearing sports parents, snark about Texas drivers, a grumpy artist hero. I think you'll like this one. It's a, as with the, all of the other sweet dreams, it's a little weird, but it's fun. Thank you and hello and happiest holidays to our Patreon community. You guys make the show possible. Help me make sure that every episode has a transcript and that I buy these funky used books. So thank you. This podcast is brought to you in part by Amazon Music. Since you're listening to this show, I think it's probably safe to say you like listening to podcasts. So heads up, you can find a ton of binge-worthy podcasts, including this one, on Amazon Music. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to. But Amazon Music isn't just for podcasts. It has music in the name. And they have thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. I really like listening to very mellow instrumental music in the evening and while I'm working. And one of my favorite new stations on Amazon Music is their lo-fi hip-hop collection. It's part dreamy and part rhythmic, and it just soothes my brain at the end of the day. And I can listen on my Bluetooth speaker from my phone, from any Alexa device, and on my computer in my office. It's everywhere. For a limited time, new customers can try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. No credit card required. Just go to amazon.com slash trashy books. That's amazon.com slash trashy books to try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. Amazon.com slash trashy books. Renews automatically. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you in part by FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. From art prints and posters to the photos sitting on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. And this holiday season, FrameBridge is the perfect way to give a gift they'll really want to receive. Give people something special that only you could give. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo. Or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and wall layouts, the experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver all the finished pieces straight to you or anyone else on your list. A handcrafted personalized gift from FrameBridge starts at just $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com when you use my code, Sarah. Now, because FrameBridge can frame objects like cross stitches, I am planning to send in two completed projects, one for me and one a surprise that I made for a friend, and I cannot wait to give it to them. You can get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code Sarah to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com promo code Sarah, framebridge.com promo code Sarah. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. Many people age 19 through 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and some are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and up. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Ritual also invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of essential for women 18 plus multivitamin. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins and I love the ease. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping and I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. 
Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Sarah and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Sarah. This podcast episode is brought to you in part by Osea. It can be a challenge to find a gift for everyone on your list. And if you want to indulge your favorite people with something gentle and some soothing self-care, have a look at Osea. They have award-winning skincare, body scrubs, wellness products, and body treatments. Their Andaria Algae Body Oil has been a celebrity favorite for years. And it is also one of my favorite things that I've discovered this year. Now you might be thinking, body oil. If you've been using body lotion, you might be a little wary, but I have to tell you, I love this stuff. I'm so excited to use it after I shower. It soaks in easily. It isn't greasy. And I cannot tell you how soft and smooth my skin feels, especially now that it's colder and the heat is on. I like it so much that I gave away a gift set as part of our Hanukkah giveaways this year. So this holiday season, stock up and share your new favorite skincare and body care with your friends and family. We even have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order with promo code Sarah at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over 50 get free shipping. Gifting is always easier if you start early. So head to OSEAMalibu.com and use code Sarah. This episode is brought to you in part by ZocDoc. ZocDoc helps you search for local doctors who take your insurance. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor, and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. I love that I don't have to cross-reference insurance coverage and appointment availability with travel distance and any patient reviews I can find. Instead of six tabs, I just have one site and it's a lot faster and much less stressful. Go to ZocDoc.com Sarah and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com Sarah and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash Sarah. So let's get started with California Girl by Janet Quinn Harkin. Now, I have been looking forward to this one because Janet Quinn Harkin is also Reese Bowen, author of the, all of those mysteries, like the Evan Evans series, Her Royal Spinus, the Molly Murphy series. She's got a bunch of historical fiction. So I am really excited about this. I think it's so cool to read the really, really early works of an author who I like. I will link to all of these books, and um, I got high hopes for this one. There aren't any names in my copy, and the spine is pristine, and the cover only has one crease. It was on sale for 50 cents at one time, because there's a little sticker on the front. The cover image is one of the first in the series that isn't in some kind of studio. The model, she's in a pool wearing a red swimsuit with her goggles on her head, and her arm is up in the air as she hangs off the lane divider. The photo is by Ariel Skelly again, and I am going to try to get in contact with them because I would love to know more about this if they remember shooting all these covers. Now, before I get to the cover copy, a trigger and content warning. There is hellacious ableist language and ableism. There's anti-fat bias because, well, the early 80s. And there's also an overbearing sport parent. Let's read the cover copy. Will she win her Olympic dream only to lose her love? In California, swimming was important and Jenny was determined to be an Olympic competitor. But at her family's new home in Texas, football is all anyone cares about. Jenny is alone, an outsider, that weird California girl. Then she meets Mark. He was a football star until a serious injury left him on crutches. Nobody pays much attention to Mark since his accident, except Jenny. 
She's seen his beautiful drawings and is falling in love with his artistic soul. Secretly, Jenny enters Mark's drawings in a contest, and overnight, Mark has his star status back. But he may be leaving Jenny behind. Jenny is so hurt and confused that she isn't concentrating on her swimming. Did Mark ever really care for her? Is Jenny losing her love and a chance at her Olympic dream? So let me just tell you right now that the cover copy and the book do not match, (laughs) okay? I wonder if there's a name for the distance between the cover copy and the plot. Like, it's just miles apart. So let's get started. Chapter one. We have an earth-shattering announcement. Jenny, our narrator, dislikes air conditioning. She thinks this is because, quote, I was brought up in California and was used to big windows and lots of fresh air. Now, I know California is a very large place, but I also recall it being sometimes so hot that it'll kill you. And I was pretty sure that air conditioning was pretty common out there, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. Either way, everyone in the cafeteria is talking. The AC is loud and she does not like it. She does, however, love to eat. But her food isn't appetizing because she has been sitting alone every lunchtime since she moved to Texas. At one point, she had asked to sit outside, but it was 95 and her teacher was like, what is wrong with you? Jenny is really homesick for California. She's also exhausted because by lunchtime, she'd already been up and working for almost eight hours because of swim practice. Then after school, more swim. Now, I really liked this quote. If I were an adult and belonged to a union and people wanted me to work that many hours, we'd all go on strike. Unfortunately, I couldn't go on strike. All right, a little pro-union sentiment is nice. It's like when teenagers say, I thought this was a free country. That's the new version. If I were in a union... The details of the swim workouts are a lot, swimming thousands and thousands of meters to build stamina. Jenny had learned to sort of semi-doze through the whole thing in the morning, but then her evening workouts were tough, weights and then two hours working on timed intervals. She's a butterflyer, the toughest and most demanding swim stroke. That is not a lie. That's, that is really hard. I cannot do it. She'd been introduced to her coach, Todd, with one D, at age nine, after her mom, a champion swimmer, had enrolled her in a stroke clinic. That's swim stroke, not brain stroke. She was a natural at the butterfly, which wasn't surprising since her mom had almost made the Olympics. So Jenny's life is Todd and her mom and swimming and then more swimming. And in California, she had friends. In Texas, quote, I had too much time to myself. I began to wonder if I was a person at all or just a machine programmed to swim fast, end quote. Uh Uh-oh, some cheerleaders have entered the cafeteria, and Jenny is envious of how they look. And it is time for some fashion. Little girl-on-girl crime in this fashion, but I like this. Tight jeans with the right labels on the back, satiny blouses or tight t-shirts with low necklines, curvy figures, etc., Now, the cheerleaders are literally called the Golden Girls, which has a different meaning to me now. Like, literally, that's the squad name, the Golden Girls. And then Jenny overhears them talking about her, making fun of how tall and thin she is. Ugh. Then Jenny feels somebody staring at her. She's so self-conscious already that this feeling just makes her feel worse. She eats her, quote, cheese and lettuce sandwich, her ham and tomato sandwich, and her apple, end quote, Those are some sandwiches. And when she gets up to leave, she has to walk by this guy's table who's staring at her. So, of course, she trips and knocks all of his stuff on the floor where she discovers this guy who's been staring at her has been sketching her. Quote, you were an interesting subject to draw. I hope you don't mind, end quote. It's a beautiful pencil sketch and it looks just like her. 
She tells him it's really good, and he says, quote, I have to be able to do one thing very well since lately I'm so useless at everything else, end quote. And then Jenny notices that she had tripped over his crutches. Chapter two, Jenny cannot stop thinking about mystery sketch guy. She'd heard another student hold the door open for him. (laughs) Another student says, there you go, Mark, old pal. (laughs) Old pal. (laughs) Jenny does old pal. I have to say that to my kids today. Here you go, old pal. (laughs) Jenny doesn't know anyone at school well enough to really ask them about him. Then school is over. She has milk and a peanut butter sandwich, and then it's time for carpool to swim practice. Her carpool in California was great. All her teammates were there. In Texas, it's just a junior high girl named Lori Peterson and two younger beginner swimmers. Mrs. Peterson is driving that week, and Jenny is really bummed about it because Mrs. Peterson smokes in the car, and Jenny hates it. Lori doesn't like swimming, and on the days when her mom doesn't stay to watch practice, Lori will go and wet her hair and then doesn't even bother to swim. She just goes out to the drugstore next door to meet boys. Jenny has figured out who to ask about the mystery sketch dude, her next-door neighbor, Marilyn Porter, who is apparently the world's number one gossip. Unfortunately, Jenny's mom disapproves of Marilyn. Listen to this quote. Although she lived next door to me, we hadn't got to know each other well for two reasons. One, she was everything my mother disapproved of in a teenager. She wore too much makeup and low-cut blouses and too tight jeans. She drove her own car too fast, and she was always arguing with her mother. (gasps) The horror. Jenny is also not very kind in her descriptions of Marilyn, which is a bummer. And it turns out Marilyn is on the same swim team that Jenny is on, but she likes seeing all the boys in their swimsuits. Marilyn is not super into the swimming part and is often late and gives excuses. And that, plus the part where Marilyn drives too fast, means that Jenny isn't allowed to drive to swim practice with Marilyn. It turns out that Coach Todd took the job in Texas and has been miserable. In California, he had a great team of competitive swimmers. In Texas, he's building from scratch and he's very frustrated about it. So he has put a lot of energy into coaching Jenny. Jenny isn't liking it there much either. In California, she'd had a friendly rivalry with her teammates to push herself, and she had people to tease and joke around with who understood what it was that she was doing. In Texas, she's really alone. Today, Todd is in a bad mood. He's also an asshole and says some really rude crap about disability and crutches to quote-unquote motivate her. And Jenny thinks of Mystery Sketch Dude and is angry on his behalf, but it makes her swim faster, so Todd's happy. After practice, she gets the scoop from Marilyn. His name is Mark Waverly. He played football until another team playing really dirty went after him on the field. Get this. In the book, it says he was in the hospital until spring. Given that football is in the fall, that is ghastly. Quote, he did something to his back and smashed his kneecap, end quote. Marilyn says that he used to be really friendly and now he shuts himself off from everyone. You try talking to him, she says. You'll see. Chapter three. Jenny's dad won't let her drive because he thinks that Texas drivers are terrible. And this kind of makes me wonder, like, does everyone have an opinion about other places driving? And is there a consensus on which one is the worst? Anyway, Jenny's dad's home early, which is rare. And her parents are arguing when she comes in the house and they're arguing about her. Jenny's dad doesn't like his job. He is stressed out all the time. And he thinks Jenny is miserable, too. Jenny says that he is the kind hearted one. Oh, boy. Quote, It's not a question of being happy. We had to let her go on training with Todd, end quote. 
Jenny's mom says that Jenny's goal of swimming means more to her than anything in the world. And her dad says, quote, does it matter to her or to you? She's dedicated her life to swimming. No, you have dedicated her life to it. This sounds like a matter for some counseling. But oh dear, it turns out that Jenny's mom, Moira, had been in a car accident with her dad and that had prevented her from competing in the Olympic trials when she was younger. And her dad says, quote, if I hadn't been the one driving, I'd have put my foot down long ago. You've managed to make me feel guilty, end quote. Oh boy. So Jenny leaves. She was hearing things that she'd never heard spoken out loud before. Quote, I think it comes as a shock to kids of my age to find out that their parents feel guilt and anger and frustration just like they do, end quote. Chapter four, Jenny is seeing Mark Waverly everywhere now that she's noticed him. She says hi, and he says hi back, but quote, the way he said it made me wonder if he'd already forgotten who I was, end quote. Jenny also can't stop thinking about her parents' quarrel. They made it seem like it had been good luck that my dad had landed this new job in time to follow Todd, end quote. But she knew the truth now. She knew neither of them like Texas, and she knew her swimming times weren't ideal for qualifying for nationals either. Jenny is feeling awful, and she's feeling responsible for everyone's unhappiness, which is a very unfair burden to put on a teenager. Jenny decides if she doesn't do well at spring nationals, she's just going to quit swimming. And a nasty voice in her head points out that she'll be a nobody with no ambitions if she quits. To shut it up, she imagines talking to Mark, admiring his drawings, then, quote, being the one to bring him out of his depression, end quote. This is just a bad idea. So then Jenny gets really, really brave, go Jenny, and sits next to him at lunch. Oh, hi, I said, trying to sound casual, but probably sounding phony. You weren't saving these seats for anyone, were you? He didn't smile, and he looked at me with those deep, dark eyes. People don't exactly flock to sit next to me anymore, he said. But then they don't seem to be hanging around you either, do they? I'm new here, I said. I don't know anybody. You should do what the counselors tell you. Join some clubs. Why don't you join some clubs, he asked. They say it's a good way to meet people. They have all sorts of things going on after school. I don't have any time, I said. I have swim practice every night after school. Mark asks her why she's not on the high school team, and she doesn't know how to say to him that her coach thinks that team wouldn't be good enough for her and she'd be wasting her time and energy in meets that don't amount to anything. And then Mark notices her absolute pile of sandwich and just looks at her and says, how come you eat so much? Oh my God. She says she swims five hours a day and burns a lot of calories. And that's when he figures out that she must be pretty serious about swimming. Then he puts himself down saying, you can quote, Waste your whole life training, and it's all for nothing. You ever think of that, end quote? Okay, dude. So he finally introduces himself and then says that once Jenny's made friends, she'll forget he exists because people don't like to hang around with him. And he describes himself in a way that is deeply ableist, and I'm not using those words. She tries to change the subject and asks about his drawings, but he's really cold and says he doesn't show his pictures to people. They're private. She's so embarrassed at his rudeness but asks as she gathers up the rest of her lunch to get the heck away from him, why he drew her in the first place. Quote, because you looked so damn depressed. You looked just like I feel, end quote. She leaves. Girl, I got some red flags in this encounter, I must say. Chapter five. Poor Jenny. 
Marilyn has come over to borrow her algebra book, and Jenny's mother is extremely frosty to Marilyn, and Marilyn doesn't even notice, bless her heart. But then Marilyn, ew, uses Jenny's hairbrush, tries to get Jenny to give her the answers to the algebra homework, which Jenny says no, asks who Jenny is going to homecoming with, no one, tells Jenny what a BFD homecoming is with $100 corsages, Woof. and then says, if you don't go to homecoming, you're a big fat zero. Jenny goes to school and everyone's talking about homecoming. Marilyn was not lying. It is a big old deal. And Jenny realizes that she's the only junior not going. But she also doesn't think she would have been allowed because there's a North-South all-star swim meet. And Coach Todd has told her that all of South Texas was relying on her to beat North single-handed. That was quite a sentence. And Jenny's also avoiding Mark. But there he is at her locker. And because she'd shoved most of her stuff in it the afternoon before, she opens the door and everything flies out everywhere. Mark says he's not too good at bending over, but if she passes things to him, he'll put them back in the locker. He apologizes for being rude and gives her the sketch that he drew of her. Quote, I don't like people feeling sorry for me and telling me to snap out of it. But then I realized you weren't being nice because you felt sorry for me. You just needed someone to talk to, end quote. None of the other football players know that, that he draws either. Then a former teammate, Carl, who calls Mark old buddy, asks if he's going to the homecoming game. And Mark says he's not, but Carl is horrified. Quote, we've, we've been together since junior high. It wouldn't be the same without you, end quote. He agrees, but he will only go to the game and not the dance. Carl leaves and Mark asks Jenny if she's going and she says no and that she doesn't like football or know all that much about it. Then the head cheerleader, Luann Chapman, drifts over, quote, looking like something out of a shampoo commercial (laughs) and invites Mark to carpool with them to the game. Mark looks at her and says, no, actually, he's taking Jenny. Then when Luann drifts away, Mark apologizes, saying he actually should have asked her, but he really would like to take her. He can't drive, though, because of his injuries. Jenny thinks maybe she can get her dad to let her drive his car, but she's not too optimistic about that. She is excited about going to the game with him, though. Chapter 6. Jenny asks Marilyn for info on Luann and Mark, and this is ghastly. They were a very popular couple, but after his injuries, which occurred on the field at a football game, which, yikes, she heard that he might not walk again, and then she dumped him for another teammate. Marilyn thinks that Mark learned to walk just to spite Luann. Then Jenny has to talk her parents into letting her go to homecoming, which takes some doing. There's a swim meet, you'll be tired, but they finally relent. Her dad, however, does not agree to let her drive and says he will drive her and her friend, who is a he, which makes her parents raise their eyebrows at each other. And then when Jenny says he's on crutches, they're all for this date because, quote, no harm could come to me with a guy on crutches, end quote. Can, can you hear my eye roll at this one? I, I, I hope it's audible. Mark, Jenny was told, lives on a farm. Mark's dad breeds race horses, so when they drive up the lane, it is a farm. They go to the game. Their team wins. Jenny enjoys it. And when it's over, they have time to peek in on the dance. And she sees people getting out of their cars to go into the dance. And the corsages are indeed opulent. And the gowns are over the top. One girl is in a long, flowing apricot gown, looking like a Grecian goddess. But the corsages... All right, I got to read the... Oh, okay. Here we go. On her shoulder was a huge spray of chrysanthemums. The ribbons had Tina and Frank embroidered on them in glitter, 
It was horrible and showy, and it must have cost a fortune. Still, I couldn't help feeling a tinge of envy that I was not that girl going to the dance in that beautiful dress with the proof of a boy's devotion flying from my shoulder for all the world to see. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine a hundred dollar spray of chrysanthemums as a corsage with ribbons that are embroidered in glitter that she can read from several feet away? So these are probably really big ribbons, given my, you know, real quick crime scene analysis here. Can you imagine how big this corsage is? You know, those like <laughs> those horseshoes of horses that they drape around a horse's neck when it wins a race? Is that what it looks like? Oh my gosh. Her back must be killing her. $100 spray of chrysanthemums. Wow. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Mark realizes that Jenny, who is wearing some corduroy pants, yeah, and a parka, doesn't have a corsage. So he scurries off on his crutches and cuts some big red flowers off of a potted plant outside the school and threads the stem through her buttonhole. Aw. He decides he wants to come watch her swim. And she says, it's okay, it's really boring, but okay. And they watch the dance together for a minute from the side of the room. I think you were very brave to come. I had one bad moment just when they played the national anthem at the beginning. I nearly walked out then. I kept saying to myself, that won't ever be you again out there. How do you know you won't ever play football again? I asked, suddenly feeling brave. They said you might not walk again and you're walking pretty well. I'm sure if you exercise your bad leg, it will be as good as new. What do you know about it? Mark asked so fiercely. I almost fell off my chair. This leg is useless, I tell you. I can't even feel it. It will never be any use again. I'm sorry, I said. It was none of my business. No, I'm sorry, he said. I have a bad temper. That was my Irish grandmother's fault. I explode before I can stop myself. I guess that's what made me a good football player. Okay, bro. So again, we have another lineup of red flags here. Chapter seven. Mark has said that he can't feel his leg and Jenny thinks he's scared to not have his crutches. Oh boy. Mark does in fact come watch her swim on a week when Jenny's mom is driving everyone and Lori flirts with him in the car and says, boys think she's very mature for her age. Agh. Coach Todd thinks Mark is there as a future swimmer. And when Mark tells him he damaged the nerves in his leg, Todd tells him swimming is great for muscle development as his weight training, which Jenny has to do. And Jenny tells him to come to her torture session as a joke to try to head off Mark's temper, which no, therapy of all kinds is needed here, both emotional and physical. After practice, Todd is very pleased because Jenny worked her ass off to impress Mark and says he should come to every practice. Mark looks at her strangely and says, I had no idea. To see you at school, you don't even look like an athlete, but to see you move through the water, you're good. And Todd says, yeah, she's not bad when she works which I say, fuck off, Todd. Chapter eight, it is not a good day. The pool at the aquatic center is outdoors, but it gets very cold and the pool heater is not working that morning. Coach Todd makes her work out anyway and she gets so cold she throws up. I am hereby not a fan of Coach Todd. Jenny has tests all day at school. She doesn't do well on any of them. Mark isn't there at lunch. And then after school, her practice is inside, which is a heated pool meant for teaching kids to swim. So it's like 80 or 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Plus it's hot and muggy. And again, Jenny is struggling. Then two feet and two crutches appear by the pool ladder just as she's about to get out of the pool. 
Mark's sister had gymnastics, so he peeked in on her practice. And he offers to help her out of the pool, but then he slips and falls in, and he swims. He can move his leg in the water. He challenges her to swim to the ladder and beats her, even though she is in her swimsuit and exhausted, and he is fully clothed. And this gives him quite a lift. Chapter 9. Jenny has caught a cold. And I have to tell you, her talking about having a cold made me very nervous for her, even though this is obviously in 1981 and way, way pre-pandemic. Jenny is told not to come to practice. So she asks Mark about getting together because she would like to see his drawings. And Mark says, I don't know about these fresh California girls. Didn't anyone ever tell you that it was the man who was supposed to invite the lady to his room to see his etchings? (laughs) Also, please don't go to people's houses when you have a cold. Even before the pandemic, that was really rude. Jenny sees his drawings and they're really good. So she takes some of them. He hasn't even shown the art teachers at school because he's embarrassed and he thinks that they'll just pity him. His younger sister Josie is really rude to Jenny and says loudly when she's leaving, how come you like her? She's not nearly as pretty as Luann. Chapter 10. Uh Uh-oh. The North-South meet has arrived and Jenny is still sick. Mark goes with them to Houston for the meet. That'll be an awkward car ride. She's the top seed in five events, including one relay. And there's a really strong swimmer who she'd met before back in California named Caroline Yee. Jenny wins the first four events, but she's exhausted. And did I mention that she is sick? She loses the individual medley by two-tenths of a second And her mom is mad at her, won't even talk to her on the way home from Houston. Chapter 11. Mark is like, you have a cold and you lost one race. Her mom is acting like she's just destroyed the family. And her dad teases her later saying, oh, don't take it to heart. And Jenny's mom flips out saying she must take it to heart because she knows what it feels like to be humiliated and she has to work harder. Jenny just gets up and leaves the table. Later, Mark calls her. He asks if her mom is still mad. Quote, she feels like she was humiliated because I lost in Texas, end quote. Mark gives her some advice to stand up for herself. You shouldn't be made to feel that way because you lost one race. I mean, he's totally right. When Jenny goes to practice, Coach Todd starts berating her. Apparently her mom called him and thinks that Mark is a bad influence and that they shouldn't see each other anymore. So Coach Todd is the appropriate person to deliver this information. And either way, Jenny absolutely loses it. She tells him that no one can make her swim if she doesn't want to. And if they don't back off, she will quit. And he gets real pale. Yeah, I bet you got real pale, you trash human. Quote, he looked really scared, like he was about to lose his one Olympic prospect, end quote. Well, yes, he was, in fact, about to lose his one Olympic prospect. You have identified the situation. Jenny feels bad, but she also likes feeling for the first time like, quote, she had some power over him, end quote. Mm, Tasty, tasty agency. Coach Todd has a word with her mom because she's extra understanding when they get home. Jenny is thankful for Mark because she wouldn't have dared if he hadn't encouraged her. The world sure feels different when you have someone standing beside you, end quote. So I think this book is mostly about Jenny's loneliness and learning to surround herself with people who will encourage her to be really good at what she's good at. Chapter 12. Jenny's confidence has taken a beating with her loss. And y'all, it was one race and she was sick. What is with these people? She's worried she's a has-been swimmer at 16 years old. Christmas comes, they aren't going to be in California with family. And she's even more bummed about that. 
then, okay, so this is weird. You know how the back cover copy talked about how she secretly enters Mark's drawings in a contest and it sounds like that's going to be a source of some tension, right? Like you went behind my back, you stole my drawings out of my room, you took my etchings, what's up with that? So it's three pages. Do, do you Did you think Jenny might agonize over having stolen his drawings or talk about entering them? No, they just, the book skips over all of that part. And the announcements at school that day include a big congratulations for Mark because he's won the Texas High School Art Award because Jenny entered him. And he's understandably annoyed about it. And he thinks everyone will treat him like a freak. The other students are actually really chill and they congratulate him. He's asked to design stuff for the yearbook. And then he's called to the principal's office because they want him to design a mural for the school. Welcome to free labor, Mark. It sucks. So Jenny asks if he's mad at her. And he says, how could I be? I mean, I can think of some reasons, but okay, they're your etchings, dude. He tells her that if she's going to try to run his life, just keep him informed. Chapter 13, Mark gets super busy with the mural and Jenny hardly sees him. And she's really bummed. So when Luann corners her while she's looking at the finished mural and says all these really mean things about how Jenny fixed Mark up now and he's not interested in her anymore, Jenny says to Luann, she was never interested in Mark and she just felt sorry for him. And of course... Mark overhears this. She chases him out into the rain and apologizes and says she didn't mean it and was mad because Luann implied that Mark didn't like Jenny anymore. And when he's spluttering about how Jenny just wants to fix him and encourage him to get physical therapy, a massive boom of thunder scares the absolute poodle out of her and she leaps into his arms. He drops his crutches in time to hold her and she says, quote, she loves him so much, end quote. We skipped over that part too, apparently, the, the part where, you, you, you know, you have the development of feelings. They've just arrived, like the thunder, kaboom. We're just going to skip right over the emotional development. But of course, he loves her too. When did this happen? I couldn't tell you. They're soaking wet, kissing in the rain, and it's Jenny's first kiss. Chapter 14. Jenny says she doesn't want an artificial tree, but wants a real one like they used to have. And Jenny's mom is awful about it because they're so expensive and starts giving her this nasty guilt trip about how much Jenny's swimming costs the family. I don't like her mother either. Jenny thinks really, really unkind things about other people in the mall. So if there's ever a question about whether or not you want to read one of these books for yourself, I would not advise this one because of the ableism and the deep anti-fat bias. Mark fixes her tree problem because they have a ton of cedars on their massive property and they can just cut one down and bring it to her house for her. Aw. Jenny agonizes over what to get Mark for Christmas and decides to get an engraved bracelet with their names on it. Then, big surprise, Mark drives himself to her house for Christmas lunch and he's walking without his crutches. He's been working out in the high school pool and building the strength in his legs. She gives him her bracelet and... He has gotten her the very same thing. Aw. Chapter 15. Jenny gets a few days off of swimming practice. And then Coach Todd unloads all his grown-up problems on her in a way that I find inappropriate, given that she is 16, you tool. Todd says she hasn't improved her times. And she tells him she is training in a vacuum. There's no one to challenge her, and it's awful. Todd agrees and says he's been thinking about it and he thinks she should move back and live with some family in California while she trains with her old team. I stared at him like a zombie. You want me to go back to California now if you want to win nationals? But my parents have just gone through all this trouble to move here. I've had to adjust to a new high school. You want us to go through all that again? I was squeaking now like a frustrated mouse. Jenny, I don't know what to say. 
Everything you've said about there being no challenge for you on this team is true. It's very hard for you to improve in a vacuum like this. Please go home, tell your parents what I've said, and think about it carefully. Tell your parents what I've said? Screw you, dude. She is 16. This is your job. You're the adult here. Jenny tells Mark about this conversation, but not her parents. And Mark is like, yeah, you probably should move to pursue your training. But she doesn't want to move away from him. She loves him. She invites him down to the pool to train with her. He joins her for weight training. And then after she's done her workout, he challenges her to a race. They tie, but Todd sees them both in the pool and says, how about you join the team? Your form is terrible, but you've got a lot of strength. So Mark joins the team that she's on and it makes a difference. Swimming with people who train alongside her made swimming feel a lot more fun and her times improve. Just like she said earlier, the world sure feels different when you have someone standing beside you. Mark also progresses quickly because we don't have a lot of chapters left and her presence challenges and inspires him and vice versa. His butterfly stroke is terrible and he is baffled how she can do it so easily. Then it snows. Mark is like, go get your skis. We're going skiing in South Texas. And it seems that they moved their ski gear from California. So she has skis and ski boots. And Mark arrives, quote, looking like a ski pro in a blue and white hat with a white pom-pom on it, a big blue parka and red ski boots. (laughs) I hope he was wearing one of those like onesie suits. Those are the best. So they go skiing in South Texas at a golf course because there's one slope and they can ski down the one slope. It's really cute. She gets home and again, her parents are having a conversation that they don't want to tell her about until after nationals, but she overhears. And this time she's like, you're both terrible at having quiet conversations. Now what's going on? Her dad tells her that his old job has begged him to come back to California. And she's devastated because Mark is in Texas. Okay, strap in y'all. Chapter 17. Todd gives her a pep talk that nationals are just a test. There are other Olympic trial opportunities. And she's like, what are you on about? You've been yelling at me for like months now. But then he tells her that Mark, since he's a senior, could go get a swimming scholarship at UCLA. And she freaks out because then he'd be in California without her. Luann flirts with Mark in the hall. Jenny gets all jealous and upset. Josie makes it worse. This is Mark's sister. When she calls Mark's house and Josie asks if it's Luann calling again. But then Mark and Jenny actually talk to each other. Thank goodness. Mark is like, this is silly. I like you enough. This whole chapter was silly, by the way. Chapter 18, Jenny is packing for nationals. She's learned that her dad's company in California has offered to let him sit up his own independent office in Houston so he can work for them, but stay in Texas, which doesn't solve any of the other things like they don't like Texas at all and are miserable, but oh, well, this is great. And Mark might be going to UCLA because... Todd says so, and she hasn't actually talked to Mark about this, so she's just, you know, anxious and worried. So she talks to Mark. Todd did, in fact, suggest UCLA, but Mark isn't interested because he's decided to take the art scholarship that he won and go to UT Austin. When did this happen? I have no idea. Then she can join him there next year because they have a swim team. And she's like, okay. And these people are weird, I'm telling you. Chapter 19. She's going to nationals and she's hungry. And the flight attendant gives her a ton of extra food, like a whole tray of cheese and rolls and fruit and more cake. And that would never happen today. Jenny heads over to the aquatic center and Rick, one of her former teammates, is there. The other coaches have a whole bunch of people. Todd has just her, which is not great because he has a lot to say. She calls Mark. Mark isn't home. 
Oh no, is he out with someone else? Ma'am, we've been over this twice. Then there's a barbecue and she goes to the barbecue and she eats spare ribs. And then she calls Mark the next day and Mark is not home. Oh no. Again, we've done this before. She's all gloomy in the locker room. And then she learns, oh crap, her race is about to start. And Todd's like, where the heck were you? And she's like, I was agonizing in the locker room over my boyfriend doing things that he's not actually doing. It's all in my imagination. She gets on the starting block and the California swimmers get lots of cheers. And when her name is called, there's polite applause until a voice yells, yeah, Jenny, go get him, girl. And there's Mark in the stands wearing a Texan 10-gallon hat and cheering her on. He hadn't answered the phone because he was flying out to California. Ladies, this is the 100-yard butterfly, said the starter. Take your marks. My whole body became tense, a bullet waiting to be shot from a gun barrel. Mark had come all this way to watch me swim, and I was not going to let him down. Even before the starter's gun had died away, I exploded outward and hardly noticed the water as it came up to meet me. Watch out, America. Here comes the new Nationals champion. And that is the end of the book. This was a weird one, y'all. I mean, I have said that about the last one, but this one qualifies as a little weird because I'm not sure what the tension or the conflict was except for Jenny jumping to conclusions a lot. And I couldn't tell you what she wanted to do if she wanted to swim or if it was a habit, because there wasn't a lot in the book about the actual swimming, whether she liked racing, whether she liked the sport. I wish there'd been a little bit more detail about what she thought of swimming, especially because when you're doing all of those long, long swims, it's a lot of time in your own head. I'm honestly not sure what the book was about. It wasn't about art contests, and it seemed that Mark had more to do with the story than Jenny, but everything happened outside of the narrative. I think if anything, the story is about Jenny learning that having someone with her to compete against and train with makes her a better athlete who enjoys her sport more. I really wanted to find out what happened and I raced through the last few chapters and I got to the end and I was like, wait, that's it? Did she win nationals? Does she go to college in Texas? Does she go to the Olympics? Wouldn't going to the Olympics get in the way of college if it was an Olympic year? She might have to defer college. Like, Doesn't that happen sometimes? Either way, do I know? No, I have no idea. While it was really a challenge to put the book down at the end, I'm not really sure what happened. And I really have this, wait, that's the end feeling. What about you? Have you read this one? I would love to hear from you if you have read this book and if you remember how weird the ending was. Like, okay, well, we've reached the end of the book. That's it. Well, thanks very much. Bye. I mean... I would love to hear from you. If you have thoughts on this book, you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. As always, I end this episode with a terrible joke because that's how we do things here. And I would just like to thank Wilbur for deciding that now is the time to jump on the desk and eat the food loudly. So are you ready for your holiday joke? Here we go. What do you call Father Christmas in an orange suit? Give up. What do you call Father Christmas in an orange suit? Fanta Claus. (laughs) So silly. That is from Egon Vector on Reddit. Fanta Claus. (laughs) On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. And if you're celebrating, have a wonderful, quiet, mellow holiday. We will see you back here next week with me, Amanda, Sneezy, Catherine, and some other folks who have some holiday wishes for you. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find lots of shows to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.